Welcome to Hour of Devastation, the weekly Magic the Gathering podcast where we talk all things Magic the Gathering. I'm your host, Joe Loudon, and with me as always is Sam Neil. Hiya. How are you doing this week, Sam? The same, as always. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, doing fine. Yeah, nothing else catastrophic has happened, so I'm feeling fine. <laughs> good, good. How fine. you doing? Definitely better than not fine. Uh, yeah, good. Uh, all, you know, all things considered. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, very much, very much the same as I am every week in this little intro part. Uh, although you know we've got a we've got a roadmap out of lockdown in ants now, so <laughs> who knows how much how much longer this will be for? But uh, I think in in general, I'm definitely definitely looking forward to this whole thing just being over now. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been looking forward to that for about a year, but <laughs> I get your point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. How's your How's your weekend magic been? Have you managed to interact with it much? Um, played a bit of Commander. Cool. Played a bit of Legacy. It was nice. After the bands and stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really re- refreshing just to see like a little bit more excitement sort of put back into Legacy. I think, I think I've I've seen most people seem to be reacting really really well to the bands. I mean the whole ban announcement in general last week. Like only I only really saw positive things about it. So that's it's quite nice. I think. Yeah, everyone seems to be happy with it. I'm very happy with it personally. I've bought and sold some cards <laughs> in that in that vein. I'm getting rid of things I don't need to buy more stuff. I now own like blue, white, red miracles. Nice. So that's nice, I guess. I own scolding towns. <laughs> I'm going to play monastery mentor. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've done a lot of buying and selling and trading and stuff, but not 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 much playing, which I guess is. Kind of par for the course until I yeah, can definitely. do it in person again. Hey, no, no earlier than the, the 21st of June, apparently. Yeah, that sounds believable, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yep. <laughs> How's your week been? Yeah, it's been fine. Uh, played a little bit of Arena, been playing that, that Sultai uh, Ultimatum deck, and yeah, it's, it's fine. Like, sometimes you just win on like turn five. It sounds good. Yeah, very much feel the way that I did last week about it. Like it, it's not fun, but it's good. Uh, yeah. Uh, and then other than that, like yourself, I guess against yourself as well, played a little bit of commander, stuck a pile of green and white cards together because everybody got sick of, of drawing cards apart from me. So. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Thought I'd 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 play a, uh, a green white cards I owned commander deck, which is absolutely not my style and not something that I thought I would ever be saying on this podcast, but. It was uh, it it was it was fine, right? It turns out the cards that you own are very very different to the cards that the general Magic playing population would just randomly own. Yeah. When someone says they're going to play a card built a deck built with cards that they just own, it tends to be kind of bad. Yours just had very very powerful <laughs> and expensive <laughs> cards in it. Yeah, there was just there was no ridiculous. real like theme or I guess real sort of consistency to it. It was just like, is it green and white? Yes. Is it a card that I own? Yes. Can I can I legally play it in Commander? Yes. <laughs> can I easily play it in Commander over webcam? Uh, I don't know about that. So I I did I did end up putting an Emrakul the Promised End in there without realizing that that would be very difficult to resolve over webcam. Yeah, I mean we got through it. It was fine. You yeah, just get it, with the players to look away when I show my hand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was fine. I'd I'd like you to not play Emrakul again, but we managed it. <laughs> Yeah, maybe I'll take Emrakul out and put like Trusted on him or something. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's been fun. It's been fun. I guess other than other than playing Magic, is uh, been watching a bit of, of Magic content. And we had the um, what feels like out of nowhere was the the weekly MTG stream where suddenly they revealed a bunch of Strixhaven stuff. So the the hype train has once again pulled into the station. So we're going to talk in Strixhaven this week. Uh, we don't know a lot about it currently, but. We got a nice little sort of sneak preview. Uh, yeah, I guess it's because things were getting leaked. Yeah. <laughs> Some things were getting leaked again yeah. somehow, so they felt the need to, I guess, get ahead of it. That seems to be the theory going going around that uh, on various various websites there were uh, some information about the the school the schoolhouse names and. Um, I guess some of the sort of themes and and colours of the set and stuff leaked, and then yeah, out of nowhere we got, we got this this surprise Strixhaven, I guess sneak peek, and 
yeah it just it just seems to be a, a perpetual problem like there are there are just leaks that happen like we, we haven't spoken about it yet and we won't really go into detail at all about it but there are what look like very real leaks for the Innistrad sets further you know they're not coming out till like yep. December uh, uh, you know I won't I won't discuss what they are but I believe they're legitimate yeah I mean and we that know sucks. quite a bit about that set now thanks to that yeah. leak so that's <laughs> <Yeah>. cool <laughs> I mean, it just keeps happening. It's it's a consistent problem, like you said. Yeah. In I I don't know. I don't know what they can do to to fix it. Really, when like it just seems to be coming from so many different sources. Obviously, we saw yeah. like Vorinclex being leaked uh, because somebody purchased a Commander Legends booster and <laughs> it was in there. That like that is. I don't know. Like I don't know. That's. It seems. I don't know. I, I would have to. I would have to learn more about their sort of print, printing process, I guess. But from my understanding, uh, Commander Legends, being a supplementary product, was printed in a different facility to, I guess, what what, um, I guess, where Caltime would have been printed. But I guess it could have been. They could use the same machines that printed Commander Legends to print the collector boosters. So that could have actually been. Uh, collector booster stock that was loaded in that hopper accidentally. Yeah, it yeah, seems feasible, t- honestly. I think that, like, I don't know. There are too many, too many strange inner working things that I just, I just don't know anymore to <laughs> keep track of all this stuff. All we know is that it keeps happening, and I really wish it would stop. Yeah, definitely. Basically, I mean, yeah, that, that's it. It's like you can kind of understand how like a card could accidentally end up. In, in a different booster, it's happened several times before. You know, could it potentially have been a leak from Wizards of the Coast themselves? Possibly, who knows? They may have done that sort of thing before as well. So I think that that's one area where a leak happens where you, you can totally understand it. And then the same thing for what we've seen of the Innistrad stuff. It seems to come from from distributors. Um, I don't know whether that is a store leaking that information that they've received from distributor or if it's gotten out from internal distribution uh, messaging I'm not sure but again you can understand where that comes from but it's just this this stuff where you'll just see like somebody post like a post on reddit with like information and you see it and you read it and you're like okay okay is this is this real and then like a week to six months later, everything in that person's post comes true, like to hundred percent of the letter. You're like, all right, just fix your leaks. Fix it. Like, you obviously have some sort of internal leak problem there. Like, just, just, just fix it somehow. Yeah, I guess just throw money at it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's 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 going to be possible to stop because this wasn't a problem for a long period of time and now it just seems to be happening with every set yeah I guess would... as far as I'm aware other games don't have this problem as well yeah I suppose it's coming from printers distributors yeah but potentially but like you, I guess I, I'm, I'm nowhere near as entrenched in Pokemon as I am Magic but I feel like very rarely do you hear people in like the Pokemon community discussing leaks and stuff like to this extent like you know things like Months and months before they're they're released, like oh they're they're doing a Bob Ross secret lair, like yeah I, I don't know I don't know I mean they're, I wouldn't know about there are a lot of strange things because I don't actively engage with the Pokemon community because why would I yeah. Yeah, the same is true of Yu Gi Oh but it's just it's becoming a sort of rule of thumb now that you'll just know that I mean the, the fact that we know stuff about Innistrad the Innistrad sets ten months out is kind of depressing <laughs> yeah and we know quite it's not even just you know a couple of things it's like full display artwork and stuff and a lot of other things so yeah yeah there's there's a lot of stuff and it's it's first i guess we talked a bit a bit about it before but it's it's frustrating on two levels like obviously it's frustrating because because we know that stuff now and when we we shouldn't and it would be it would be so much cooler to just just have that announcement where like we see these cool exciting things for the first time like Vorinclex. like if we'd never 
scene of Arnclex leak, and then we're watching the, you know, the reveal day for Kaldheim, and then right at the end they sneak in for Arnclex and Phyrexian. That would have been so exciting. It would have that would have blown so many minds. Like same thing happened with Kozilek when Kozilek with the the waste or I guess the colorless mana symbol got got leaked. If that had been the first time we'd seen it when it was officially preview, that would have been just absolutely fantastic. But we know these things now, like ten months in advance. But then at the same time, like, kind of like, it, like yeah, we we could go, we could go, and we could we could actively try and try to avoid leaks. But at the same time, you're missing out so much information. And when it's when the game and the community revolves so much about information and knowing information, then I think you you kind of do yourself a disservice by not looking, and it's. It's very frustrating on multiple levels, I think. Well, most of the time, if you're as engaged as we are, you're going to know anyway. It's going yeah. to come up. Someone like Saffron Olive is going to tweet about it. And you're just, you're just going to know. Someone's going to message you about it or, or what have you. And like you said, it's, sometimes it's necessary information. Like If you know that something's going to be printed that has an effect on current cards in certain formats or whatever, you know, prices go up, prices go down knowing about reprints is important and stuff and like it's it's just information that you sort of have to keep on top of if you want to engage with magic in you know like in a strong way it's unfortunate but you kind of have to know about them and especially it's especially frustrating at the moment when we see Wizards of the Coast putting so much effort into their you know preview seasons and and giving yeah. cards to thing and you know I'm not I've not been a fan of all of it but the whole thing with Kaldheim was really really cool and they put a lot of work and a lot of effort and there's a lot of time and money and, you know, people put into that campaign. It just all kind of got a bit messed up by leaks, which is very unfortunate. And, you know, the same might happen for Strix, Strixhaven and the same might happen for the Innistrad sets at the end of the year. That just all this work goes in and it just doesn't pay off because we already know the information six months yeah. ago. It's, it's very frustrating. And I just somehow sort it out. It's yeah. a consistent problem. It's been a problem for like a major problem for like, at least the last two years of just us knowing everything about sets before they even come out. And like you say, these these random Reddit posts from anonymous users just predicting the future six months in advance and getting <laughs> like everything exactly that, like, right. <laughs> it's uh, oh, it yeah. it goes it goes back so far that stuff that I like. I remember when like I read a post on Reddit about Eternal Masters being a thing. Somebody was having a conversation with a GP vendor, and they. Yep. They said, "Oh, it, like they're gonna uh, print a master set in six months' time, and Jace the Mind Sculptor is gonna be the face card on it, and it's getting a reprint." And they like rattled off like a list of cards, and then like the only one that wasn't on the list was like Stoneforge Mystic. Yeah, which could have been in the set at a certain point. But yeah, easily. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's it is what it is. But it now is. we know some stuff about Strixheim. Strix, uh, yeah, Strixheim. we do. <laughs> We do. So we, we we don't know a load, but we know sort of the the basic setting. So we know that it's going to be Magic's take on a magical school genre. Uh, and each one of the featured college, colleges in the set represents one of Magic's enemy color combinations. And they've all got their own sort of characteristics and mechanics. So we now know that the name of the names of the colleges as well. So we know that we have uh, the Witherbloom, the Silver Quill, the Quandrix, the Prismari, and the Lawhold. Boy, I hope those names don't catch on. Yeah, I, I can't imagine these names. So obviously, there's been quite a lot of, of conversation about this kind of thing already about like the the names of the schools and the color pairs, and I can't imagine that these names will will stick like like the I guess like the Ravnica ones have. Like we know we call a blue red color combination is it or a red white Boros. Like I can't imagine like anybody. Changing that, I, I can't imagine like blue red cards are now going to be like, pri- like is it Delver is no longer going to be is it Delver now it's going to be Prismari Delver. Like, I can't imagine that that's going to catch on, at least like not with older <laughs> players. But I, I've seen some conversation about maybe like newer players and players coming to the game for the first time. Well, maybe can you they name will the, use these? Can you name the five three color combinations from Agoria? No. Exactly. Of course not. <laughs> of course not. But you know, maybe I guess, I guess I feel like they didn't necessarily have as strong a, a sort of color identity. They all had two cards named after them. 
Yeah, I guess yeah, The triumphs so. and the whatever the blocket thing was called. Yeah, but they didn't really have like a... <laughs> Corey didn't really have a story. <laughs> it didn't really have anything really, did it? Ah, uh, no. Apart I mean, it, it did have a story, but you had to buy it and then it was different to what was on the cards anyway. Which is what I want for my premium luxury hobby. Yeah. Yeah, I think like the I guess the the identity of the colours and the law sort of tie in is a lot stronger here. I think it's it's something that we've seen a lot of already, and I think we we will always see. And I, I kind of agree from what we've seen so far. I think I kind of agree with it. Like these these colour identities, these these college identities are very very similar to the the guild of Ravnica. No, they're completely different. How do you? <laughs> yeah, I I mean. I think they they probably will be very different in some ways, but from what we've seen so far, uh, some of them, like the Witherbloom in particular, is is pretty much just Golgari. Uh, I mean, the Silver Quill and the Orzov, I assume, are going to be very very different. Uh, the Quandrix seems quite is it to me in the way they they do their magic. Uh, the Prismari don't really. I don't. I mean, I think the Prismari are going to be quite different to Is it in the terms like they're not just tinkering away and, and, and making inventions and stuff, but they've got some lightning magic going on in the art we've seen so far, and it looks very Is it. And then I think the law hold. There might not be a military police like the Boros is, but uh, they've they've got what appears to be a Loxodon in, in the art, and one of them is wielding a, a scroll, which is actually a gun. So. <laughs> There's <laughs> definitely some some sort of military stuff going on there. Yeah, they're not as copy, but then again, pretty much every guild on Ravnica is a cop in some kind of way. Yeah, this is true. This is true. It's just the cops versus the Golgari, and then the Demir like the Mafia. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, they're very Selesnia similar. Selesnia are there too, and Selesnia are some kind of weird vegan cult. <laughs> which I'm very pleased to be a part of. The <laughs> yeah, these they're, they're very fairly similar, but I mean it's kind of cool. Like I like multicolored sets, and yeah, I like any multicolored set has has sort of been a slam dunk apart from Macoria. So we can hope that this is similar, and we do know some cards, so we have a vague idea of what's going on. And like, so we yeah, have this, this we command do. cycle. And they all seem yeah, pretty so we, pretty powerful. Yeah, I I, I do quite like all of them. I think um, yeah, so I think the. My favourite is probably the Prismari command because it really reminds me of Colligan's command. Um, so I guess we'll I guess we'll run through them because we'll, we'll start with that one. The Prismari mm-hmm. command, one blue red for an instant. Choose two. Prismari command deals two damage to any target. Target player draws two cards and discards two cards. Target player creates a treasure token and destroy target artifact. Yeah, it's just a versatile card that we've seen from the commands before. You can choose two yeah. options, and they all seem relatively useful. Imagine if Visit Phoenix was still a thing, they'd probably play this. Yeah, hundred percent. It's yeah, yeah it, it's it it's something that reminds me of like Colligan's command, but also like Electrolyze as well. Very similar in that vein. Yeah, I, like I think bit this being these being the first cards we see for the color combinations for the 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 houses, the colleges, whatever. And this one being so, is it? <laughs> like if if this is what yeah. you know, is it commanded in a Ravnica set? I wouldn't bat yeah. Eye. It does a loot thing, which is it can do. It does a shatter thing, which is it can do. Uh, treasure token, sure. I don't really get that. I also don't really get how it fits into the theme of the Prismari anyway. Yeah, how it fits into the theme of the Prismari and also like treasure in, in Magic College. Sure. It, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense, right? They've got to pay tuition somehow. I, uh, I guess so. I guess unless so. unless whatever plan this is on has free higher education. Oh, can you imagine free higher education? Yeah, yeah. just just go back like twenty years. <laughs> Let's not turn this into me hating the Tories again. What's the next one? <laughs> uh, next up, we've got Quandrix Command. That is one green blue for an instant. Choose two. Return target creature or planeswalker to its owner's hand. Counter target artifact or enchantment spell. Put two plus one plus one counters on target creature. Or target player shuffles up to three target cards from their graveyard into their library. Seems extremely Simic, but okay. Yeah, Simic command. <laughs> yeah, it just does Simic things. It, it, yeah, I mean, it, it does puts weird... counters on things and yeah. does shuffling graveyards into library things and yeah. counters specific types of spells. Like, Yeah, so it's 
an annul variant, an unsummon, a, a Gaia's blessing for some reason, and a naturalize. Yeah, <laughs> sure. It's uh, this. It's just a simicard. It's just a yeah. simicard, and that's fine. And it seems kind of useful, and uh, maybe it's his play, but it's just a simicard. And if this is an around because again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think it twice about it. But I, yeah, I, I fully agree there. Uh, so next up, we have Lawhold Command. That is three red white for an instant. Choose two. Create a three two red and white spirit creature token. Creatures you control get plus one plus zero, gain indestructible and haste until end of turn. Lawhold Command deals three damage to any target. Target player gains three life, and sacrifice a permanent, then draw two cards. Okay, the sacrifice permanent draw two cards is kind of weird, but this is a Barrett's card. Yeah, it's fine. It, it it does literally like me Helix, except target player yeah. gains three life. <laughs> So you're playing commander, you can make your opponent go through life if you want. It, yeah, it does borrows things. Yeah, 100%. I think, how do you feel about being 5 mana? Is that a little too steep? It's a commander plan, so no. Yeah. It's probably cool. just good in borrows commander decks. And I, I don't think this was intended for constructed play. For constructed play, yeah, that is that is fair enough, definitely. Yeah, um very much the, the same as the other two I think so far, like if this had been I don't know I don't know, maybe this one feels more I guess lower hold than Boros, I think the 3-2 the red and white spirit creature token if that had been like a soldier instead then 100% this would feel a lot more Boros to me but I think the the fact that it's a spirit makes me feel maybe it's a little more lower hold in identity than Boros yeah, like if we're splitting hairs <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> but it's still very Borosy. It's still mm. very Ravnican. Cool. So next up, we have a Silver Quill Command. This one's a sorcery. It's two white black. Choose two. Target creature gets plus three plus three and gains flying until the end of turn. Return target creature card with mana value two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. Target player draws a card and loses one life, and target opponent sacrifices a creature. Very awesome. We're gonna have to talk about that, aren't we? We are. We're yeah. gonna have to talk about mana value. We are. So I think I guess the first up, I think this one is is decent, and uh, this is the one that I'll probably just get get wrecked uh, wrecked by in draft, like <laughs> or sealed. Like this, this is this is the pre-release killer. This is like. I think I'm gonna snap off first pick all of these <laughs> if I open them in a draft. But I think so, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think this one in particular, just like. It's gonna be the one. Like, give something plus three, plus three, and flying till end of turn, flying for that last bit of damage. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna get caught by this card quite a few times. I think. So the main reason you're excited about this is that it's a four mana sorcery speed mighty leap. <laughs> That's the most exciting thing about this card to you. Okay. <laughs> no, it's not the most. It's not the most exciting thing, but it's definitely the definitely the mode that makes me feel like this is a pre-release killer. This is what's making me go three one at the pre-release instead of four nil. So you would first pick a four mana, two color mighty leap. Okay, that's, that's good. <laughs> it's good to know about you. I mean, next draft from what you, we, I'll know that. From what we know from the set so far, absolutely, yeah. Well, <laughs> nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a sorcery speed combat trick, please. Seems, seems good. Okay. So mana value. Mana value, yeah. Yes. So some mana value is a is a new term. Uh, it's a term that's going to replace converted mana cost. I don't like it. Uh, I think it. I mean, essentially, it, it's it's just it's just a new way of saying converted mana cost. Uh, I think their their justifications for it were that it is a little bit more, uh, like it's it's more new player friendly. Plus, also, it's it's a lot better for templating because it takes up a lot less space. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a uh, fan. I think the main reason you don't like it is because you're used to saying CMC, and this is change, and Magic players don't like change. I, I think it, it. I think change is definitely a big part of it, but I think I think the thing that I don't like is the term value. I think like converted mana cost to me feels like a very specific thing, and is always going to mean a very specific thing. Whereas I feel like a value is something that is is something that can change. Like values are changeable, and values happen. Like values change quite frequently in Magic a lot. Like not the mana value though. The mana value will always be the same if you have a. a, a I was about to say two CMC. Jesus, a two mana value. Exactly, card. exactly. There we go. Converted <laughs> Just because I'm used to does, saying it. Converted mana cost does exactly what it 
what it says on it says on the tin. It's 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 I know it's I know it's the same thing. It's just a it's a two word way of saying a three word thing. But I think for me, it's it's the word value that really throws it off. So I mean, convert mana cost doesn't really mean anything. I still having played Magic all these years, don't really understand what it means. I just know what it means in terms of a game of Magic, right? I know what the yeah. CMC of a spell is, but I don't really understand why converted mana cost is the the, the verbiage for that. Uh, it's a lot easier for new, newer players to grasp. And also, remember when they stopped saying to your mana pool after tap to add? When when you were adding mana, like Lana were after, yeah, yeah. tap add green. and It's fine. It doesn't matter. We will not care about this in six months' time. None, none of this is important. It's, we'll see. We'll see. It's just a change, and it makes it a lot easier to cause having to explain what converted mana cost is at CMC is to to a new player is confusing because I still don't really yeah. understand it. And mana value makes a lot more sense. The mana value of uh, this card is two or four or whatever, and it, it means means the same thing. It's easier to template and yeah. easier to easier to grok. Like it, that's it. Like I, 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 that's that's the thing. I think I I do fully fully understand it, but for me it's. For me, it feels a little bit more difficult to grok because, just because of that word value. But I think that's that's very much a me thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I would agree. That's very much yeah. <laughs> a, a you problem. Yeah. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Hundred percent is a me problem, and I, you know, it's fine. It's fine. I understand the change definitely, and if it makes it more accessible for for newer players to understand it, then that's good. That's great. But yeah, I I just don't like I don't like using the the word value there. And obviously, like they can't just use mana cost. I don't know. I don't know. Would you be happier Old with converted? Cloud. Yeah, exactly. Would you be happier <laughs> with converted mana value? Um, the CMV of a spell. Because yeah, you're not converting I mean, it. Like you're not converting it because I mean, know, three plus blue plus blue is five. You don't have to convert I mean, it. Yeah. Yes, but also like that's that's an extra letter, and that's bad for templating. So. It's, I, I get it. It's fine. Okay. It's fine. We can move on. We absolutely should. <laughs> cool. So our final one in this cycle is the Witherbloom Command. Again, this one's a sorcery. It is black green. Choose two. Target player mills three cards, and you return a land card from your graveyard to your hand. Destroy target non-creature, non-land permanent with mana value two or less. Target creature gets minus three, minus one until end of turn, and target opponent loses two life, and you gain two life. Wow, how not Golgari. Yeah, this is this is the <laughs> best one of the cycle by far, I think. I, yeah. and I think this is prob- like, probably legacy playable, certainly modern playable. It's interesting. I'm not sure about legacy playable. I think it's probably sideboardable if you're playing a black-green deck. Yeah. Like if you're playing Abzan Maverick or something like that. But it, it does it does a lot of stuff. Like the rebuying a land is huge because it can rebuy a wasteland. Yeah. It blows up a lot of problematic permanents. I mean, most... Most permanents have a mana value of two or less. I'm just going to go with it. I'm just going to roll through and pretend like mana value is just what I've been saying this whole time. Cool. <laughs> it kills, uh, you know, hate pieces like rest in peace or stony silence and mole rod stuff like that. It kills aether vial. It would have killed astrolabe. It would have killed Renin six. Uh, it kills stuff like thalia and mother of runes by the minus three yeah. minus one. It kills a lot of things in elves. It, it just does a lot. Um, and. I think it's kind of playable. I'm not the fact that it's sorcery is kind of bad, but I like it more than the the occasional like Golgari charm that decks would play in the sideboard. Yeah, hundred percent. I like, think it does a lot more. Yeah, the the, the fact that the mana value of the spell is only two as well is I, mean, I think that means it, it is very very playable even with a Thalia on the field. So you got to pay three for this. Like I would still pay three for this definitely. Yeah, I think the fact that you will use it as an abrupt decay. Yeah. Because the three on that rarely comes up. It's it's going to be an abrupt decay 80% of the time that can be countered and at sorcery speed, but that also does another thing, so I, I, I'm not sure how yeah, like useful that is. Three mana, kill your, kill your Thalia, blow up your Chalice seems really good. It's very, very good, yeah. And I think it's going to have some applications, though I'm not sure there are many decks that would play it over a Decay. Just because a yeah. Decay like can kill Chalice when the Chalice is yeah, on two yeah. and stuff like that. But, but I'm, I'm 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 into this card, I just don't know how playable it's gonna be, but it's 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 certainly got a lot of application. Yeah, that's it. I think it, it it's that uh, it has the most application out of out of any of them, I think. Uh in in terms of like you know, eternal formats and stuff. Um and yeah, I I, th- I think it's good. I think it's good. I do 
I do think it is very Golgari as well, but I don't know. I think when we see some, you know, s some more cards, obviously some more meaningful cards from the set, we'll hopefully get more of a sort of feel for for each of these colleges, and and I hope they have their their own their own identities to really make them stand out from the replica guilds, because it would be really cool to have, you know, both of these both of these these guilds and colleges sort of existing in the game and feeling slightly different from each other, but still being in those those colour pairs. I think the problem is that those colour identities just have an identity and they do the same thing regardless of whether you're in a, a multicoloured set yeah, or not. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, the, the the golden commons that we have in, in draft sets now are, are just, they all do very similar things. The same thing. Could yeah. easily fit into a rabbit <laughs> set. So I think you have a problem with that, but I guess like stylistically, like from from the art and stuff, they all look quite different. They look yeah. kind of similar, but they all look quite different. So again, I also don't really care that, that, that they're going to be similar to Ravnica because it's going to be a different plane, and Ravnica is always a great set. Yeah, and that's true. That's always true. has powerful and interesting cards, and I'm excited about another Mulligan set. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm looking forward to it definitely. I guess the the other thing that we know about the the set itself is we got a preview of the the packaging uh, we saw on the the bundle for the packaging. We've got where Rowan and Will Kenrith are on there, so they are going to be featured heavily in the set. Um, I I don't know if I'm a fan of that so much, given that we just had them in Eldraine and Eldraine there's just been been a blight on on multiple formats that I play, so not, I feel like my... Not because of the Kenriths. <laughs> yeah, exactly, that's it. Like, not because of the Kenriths, but I feel like because I have that feeling towards Eldraine, that's kind of sullied my opinion of the Kenriths a bit. I think the story of Eldraine is so far removed from the cards in Eldraine. Like, yeah. <laughs> people, like, the, the story barely comes into the cards that actually matter. Like, the Royal Science don't really come into it. And I, I guess we, we have to establish a new pantheon of Planeswalkers, right? Because we're trying to yeah. get away from what was the Gatewatch, and I, I guess maybe the Kenriths can be a big part of the new story going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Alongside Teferi and, and Vivian and, you know, whichever Planeswalkers we're, we're choosing to be important now after Nicobolas. I guess that's it. It's, it's the Weatherlight crew for Zoomers. That's what it's going to be. Like, you know, you've got your, you've got your original <sighs> Weatherlight crew for your Boomers. You've got your Gatewatch for your Millennials like us. And then, yeah, somehow they got to establish this new this new Weatherlight slash Gatewatch crew for the Zoomers playing the game now. I hate how appropriate that analogy is. It's true, though. <laughs> like it, it works, and I agree with it, but I hate that you said it out loud with your mouth. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's an unpleasant thing to... Weather like crews for boomers, gatewatchers for millennials. Oh, God. Okay, yeah. yeah. Good. I'm, I'm fine with that. <laughs> yeah. Same. I mean, it, it, you know, if if we're getting a recurring core cast of characters like we have been so far, like, you know, the Ken Riffs are cool enough. They're fine. But, like, if we see lots more Kaya, I'm very happy with that. Kaya's a class character, and yeah, more more of that style stuff, I think, than mm -hmm. Jason Pals, definitely. Yeah. Cool. So there was one more thing that we, we did learn about the uh, about Strixhaven. Uh, so in Strixhaven, there's going to be a thing called the Mystical Archive, and these are mystical, magical, forbidden spells locked away and deep in the archives of, of the colleges, and it's... It's reprints. Uh, reprints are always exciting. So this is in instead of instead of showcase frames in this set, uh, they're bringing. I guess it's like pseudo masterpiece cards. It's probably the best way to describe them. I think. But in actuality and functionality, nothing like masterpieces whatsoever. Yeah, sort of. <laughs> so <laughs> we've uh, we've we have three of the cards revealed so far. So every single draft booster and set booster uh, of Strixhaven will contain a mystical archive card appearing at different rarities, and then collector boosters will contain three mystical archive cards at different rarities. Uh, and obviously, they're all there's common, uncommon, rare, and mythic appearing at different rates, and there are sixty three of them in total. Uh, so. The ones that we have so far are pretty good and pretty powerful cards. So we've got Opt, we've got Souls to Plowshares, and we've got Demonic Tutor. Right, I just want to bring it back to the these are like forbidden spells that are locked away in the, the vault of whatever. Yeah. Opt. Yeah, you apparently. Know the, yeah. the card that's like a common in basically every standard set now. 
Yeah. The people of Strixhaven uh, are not on this cast one. Uncom- uncommon in this one. Yeah, <laughs> they're not allowed to cast that spell anymore. It's too powerful. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're common from standard sets. Okay. Uh, Source Splash has demonic tutor. Cool. Uh, I'm not really sure how we feel about these yet. They appear in every booster. And you're going to get one in every booster pack you open. Right? Yeah. So you yeah, have, so... Th- uh, you know, th- th- 24 per draft pod of potentially source departures and demonic troops. <laughs> yeah, so obviously they're they're appearing at different at different uh, different rates, I guess. So there will be one in every single pack, but there are sixty three. We mm-hmm. don't know how many of each rarity they're going to be yet, but we know that demonic tutor is a mythic, swords plowshares is a rare, uh, opt is an uncommon. Uh, so these cards will not be standard legal, but they will be legal and limited. And for arena's sake. Uh, some of them will be historic legal, but some of them are banned in historic for power level from the get-go. Uh, so they've said that Demonic Tutor and Swords to Plowshares are banned from the off, which Demonic Tutor I fully get, but I don't know about Swords to Plowshares. I wish I wish that was legal in historic. That I doesn't wish, seem too powerful. I wish we didn't have to differentiate between what's illegal on arena and what's legal in paper and all that kind of stuff. It just makes it yeah. a lot more confusing <laughs> than it needs to be. Uh, yeah, I kind of want to see what the rest of the cards are. I kind of want to just wait till we can open booster packs and see how many of them we open. Um, yeah. I kind of don't like them being in draft boosters. I wish they were just in set boosters, which is like, you know, the the product that they released specifically so they could do fun things with it, like include cards from the list. Surely they yeah. could just include one of these instead. Yeah, and not so have them I mean, interrupt you, draft. That's it. Like, you get, you're definitely getting, you're getting one in set boosters. I think there's a chance of getting one in foil or another one in set boosters as well i can't quite remember uh, but yeah so they've all got really really nice unique art treatments to them um i mean there's those sorts of power share has been done by mark Hayden, and it's it's almost i mean it's 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 quite clearly like a mark Hayden art i think it's it's almost similar to that uh that con I guess the Urza cards that he did in, in Double Masters, and I, I think it's great. I think it's great. But I've just picked up my nice playset of Swords to Plowshares from Commander Legends. <laughs> I can't replace well, them again. Now you can get these ones. Uh, and then yeah. we've got Demonic Tutor. Looks incredible, I think. Absolutely incredible. I don't know if it's a version of the card that I would play myself, given like I'm a big fan of the, the original art. Uh, I would probably choose to play that version over this one, but that's good. It's it's a meaningful reprint. So I, I think this is. I don't know exactly where I lie on these yet. I think, I think they're good, but I also don't like them for I guess multiple reasons. Like I I do really like them that they are. Like they are cool. They look really cool. The art is fantastic, and so far from the three that we've seen, they are meaningful reprints. This is a very very good way to get a lot of these, powerful cards reprinted in the player's hands which is always good like more demonic tutors out there in the world more players having access to that card is fantastic and we want to see more of that it, like yes it's a mythic but the fact that you get one of these in every single pack means that there's got to be like at least one mythic probably two mythics per box uh you know there's going to be countless countless boxes of like draft boxes opened they're in set boosters as well, and you get three of them in, in a collector booster pack. So, like, the prices are going to be crushed from these, absolutely crushed, and that's good. That's very good for the players. But at the, the same time, I don't like them appearing one in every pack for limited purposes. Like, it's cool that you can play them in limited. It was cool when you could play masterpieces in limited, but the vast majority of the time, if you opened a good, powerful one, you gained a significant advantage over over the other players in your pod, and I think, at least from the cards that we've seen so far, that might happen there as well. I think I don't know how much of an issue it will be in in draft. Like if you would first, I mean, yeah, you probably would first pick a demonic tutor over like any other rare or mythic, right? That could be in a standard set. I yes. mean, I guess, I guess, well, I guess we'll see. But like demonic tutor is a very, very playable card in limited, and swords to plowshares, yeah. But like. I think, like in terms of like sealed uh, and definitely like pre-releases and stuff, like if if your opponent just gets lucky with the, uh, the mystical archives that are open, that their, their deck's probably going to be considerably more powerful than yours. Yeah, it's a, it's why I don't like them in draft boosters. I don't understand why we have to put them there, especially when we've you know developed a product specifically for putting 
extra cards in and fun stuff that you might open. I don't, yeah. I don't really get it, and why or why they're not just in collector boosters or whatever. Or, but I mean, yeah, that's it's it. f- I, f- fine. I guess they'll look cool. I'm excited to see what the cards are. I guess we need to yeah. talk about the wording on Demonic Shooter briefly. Yeah, Demonic Tutor has new wording too. So, uh, Demonic Tutor now says, search your library for a card, put that card in your hand, then shuffle. But shuffle what? Exactly, yeah. You, you just shuffle. Just just shuffle. Uh, do they do they mean shuffle your hand? Shuffle your library? Or do they mean, uh, you know, shuffle as in every day I'm shuffling? Oh, God, I hate you so much. I know. I was, I was hoping we could go this whole episode without you doing that. <laughs> I imagine it's, they mean shuffle the only zone that you have ever been able to shuffle in the last 28 years uh, of Magic the Gathering that's not true is it there not? there are cards which say shuffle your graveyard um, and there's really? also ghastly conscription yeah yeah yeah. and there's also ghastly conscription which you shuffle a specific pile well that uh, tells you which pile to shuffle if you're just shuffling you're shuffling yeah. your library like again it's there fine was, so, search, search for survivors from like prophecy was Two in a red, sorcery, shuffle your graveyard, an opponent chooses the card from it at random. If that card is a creature card, put it into play, otherwise remove it from the game. So like obviously no like no card that would ever see any play ever. Uh but yeah, there's there's definitely other I'm sure that's been a right. That would just say uh, choose yeah, a creature uh, choose a card from your graveyard at random. I think it has been, but yeah, at least in, in the past twenty eight years of magic it was definitely a okay, definitely a zone you could shuffle. Okay, okay. But I'm fine with that again, it's just for templating and it means you don't have to have paragraphs and paragraphs of text. Yeah, I I don't feel bad about this one at all. I think that's quite quite good. Like straightforward. It's this one I feel like for me this this one feels like a lot more straightforward or intuitive than mana value does. Uh, given what I, I know and understand of the game already. Um yeah, shuffling really like is your library's the only gonna place that you're gonna shuffle really. Uh yeah, I I I think it's fine. I think it's absolutely fine. Yeah, they're just trying to make the game easy to understand, and that's great. Yeah, cool. So the the other thing about these, which this is something I really do like, like a lot, um, like enough to enough to convince me to buy a specific product, is that in the the Japanese boosters, uh, at least the Japanese draft boosters of the Mystical Archive, they're going to get their own unique artwork treatment. So very much like the the War of the Spark, um, Japanese booster packs had for the, the planeswalkers we're seeing it happen here again uh, and yeah the art we've seen so far is, is incredible absolutely incredible like some of my favorite pieces of art i've ever seen on magic cards yeah they're really nice they're very very nice and i imagine a lot of japanese products going to get opened the same with war of the spark yeah it just means the price of imagine. japanese strict seven cards are just gonna be worth nothing <laughs> yeah <laughs> because so many so much of it has been opened i do i do like yeah. this kind of um like region specific special cards that we get that makes them feel special and they, they haven't yeah. done it all the time the last time they did it was Royal of the Spark which by the time Strix 7 comes out will be about two years and I like that so you've got this this thing where Wizards are trying to put special cards everywhere and make everything special which therefore means nothing is special because you can open exciting different versions of cards in every pack but these ones actually do feel a bit special and, and, and different and are I guess slightly harder to get if you live outside of Japan yeah, that's it. And the fact that they are they are they work the same way the Water Spark Planeswalkers did as well. It's like in fifty percent of them, uh, fifty like you got a fifty fifty chance of getting a, an alternate art. So you could open a Japanese pack and just have a have a regular mystical archive art, uh, just with Japanese text, or you could have have a special Japanese art version. Which yeah, I think they're amazing. I will definitely be buying at least one Japanese box myself to open because. They're amazing. I love them. I don't know if I'd ever play them, but just as as like collectibles, I really like the, like the art on the three that we've seen so far. Yeah, they're really, really nice. And um, I, this actually feels like a special, exclusive printing of a card that you can't just find a thousand copies of in your LGS. <laughs> yeah, I imagine the premium on them is going to be relatively high for a while. Especially yeah, I would on assume the, so. the playable I, ones, because I, I imagine some of these cards are going to be like chaff, essentially, like opt, unless you want like a specific version of opt. Yeah. Like we saw with you know the Japanese version of some of the War of the Spark planeswalkers, you know, like Arling isn't worth anything temporarily. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like whereas your Narset's worth a lot of money, Liliana's worth a lot of money. So I imagine you know, demonic truth yeah. is probably worth quite a bit, especially if it's foil. 
Yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah, that's the other thing. You can get foil versions of these, and then uh, in the collector boosters, they're going to be available in etched foil as well. Ooh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I do like the etched etch foiling process. Yeah, I think like the etched foil demonic tutor is probably going to be very expensive. For I mean, I'm excited to see what else is going to be in here. They're they're clearly powerful spells. Swords to plowshares, demonic tutor. Yes, they're very mythic, but they're powerful spells. The demonic tutor is banned in legacy, so maybe maybe we'll see some other really powerful stuff. Like maybe we'll see a mana drain. Maybe we'll see force of will. We know they're all spells at this point as well, so it would be cool to see some some good good big hitters. I think. Yeah. I, I like it as a replacement for masterpiece, but I don't. I wish they weren't in uh, in draft boosters. It's essentially yeah. how I feel about it. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page there. Sweet, cool. So yeah, that's, that's all we know of Strixhaven so far. It's a, it feels like it, it was very unexpected, out of nowhere. Uh, given that Carl Time has been out officially for like a week or something. <laughs> yeah, I still haven't bought all the Carl Time cards I want. <laughs> yeah, I haven't purchased any Carl Time at all. Um, because reasons, I guess. I guess, that, I mean, who knows when I get to play paper again. There's nothing that I really want in the set for any Maddox. But, uh, yeah, we are we are fully, fully back on that hype train. Uh, we also have, releasing in like two and a half weeks' time, Time Spiral Remastered, although we've had no previews for that yet. Oh, we, got our, just, we got our privilege promos. Yeah, oh, oh you've them. received them. Yep. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice little Lotus Blooms, just, you know, as they yeah. banned the deck out of modern, I actually played it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was cool, but they look really nice. Um, the old border foiling is really, really pretty. Yeah. And yeah, we actually got them ahead of time, whereas we only yeah, got that, our... Yeah, that's uh, good. We got our <laughs> Caltime Biobox promos about a week after we could have sent the boxes out, so we had to then yeah. send out Biobox promos separately. Yeah, I guess that, that's, that's probably... High. It's probably another thing to to keep in mind in terms of the, the Japanese cards, or at least the Japanese sealed product for Strict Saving. If, if that's something that you are interested in and do you want to purchase, I would definitely recommend talking to your GS like as soon as possible, like you, know, you want one, because there were issues with the War of the Spark one, and there wasn't a pandemic and a Brexit on then. So I can, o- yeah. I can only imagine it'll be a lot more difficult to get your hands on that product so yeah talk to your LGS and they can get in contact with the suppliers because you know uh, order deadlines are looming and also things take a lot longer now yeah several, several reasons yeah. Uh, so yeah just if you want that kind of product get in on it soon and let your LGS know that you'll buy X quantity from them and then do it don't let them just be stuck with boxes they can't sell yeah yeah, or or if if you can't do it for whatever reason, let me know and I'll, I'll do it. Cause I I will certainly be buying some Japanese boxes of this. I think. Oh, you talk to me. We can get some Japanese boxes in. Sweet, sweet. Unless you you know want to yeah, support that's... an LGS near you. <laughs> yeah, I mean we'll see, we'll see. I'll talk to you. Um, this is strict saving. This is what we know so far. It's it's cool. We don't know a lot, but I'm looking forward to seeing more of it. It's gonna be it's gonna be nice to have what I feel like. Will probably just be like a bit of a low stakes set. Um, yeah, it's good. I think it's going to be good. Yeah, I like these sets that don't have like a big, I guess, point in terms of magic law. Yeah. But I think this will be setting up, like I said, you know, maybe the cameras are a really big part of the, the sort of story out going forward. So this is a way to sort of get us more, because we don't really know much about the cameras apart from they were. Their dad turned into an elk, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, the dad got the dad got okoed, and then uh, Garrick's now their protector or something. A good friend. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they also just like to fight on the Battlebond plane, because why not? Yeah, because Battlebond doesn't really fit in with anything we know about magic law, apart from the cameras yeah. were there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, I, I'm looking forward to it from what we've seen so far. But I, I think, for me. I, I'm most excited just to see the other 60 of these uh, these Mystical Archive cards. Fingers crossed we're going to get some good cards in there. Yep. Cool. So was there anything else you wanted to, to touch on this week? Do we have time? Yeah, I, th- I think we've got time if you if you got some if you got some words to put out into the ether. <laughs> I've all got words to put on the ether, whether they're relevant or Hell not. Yeah. Is another story. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just uh, talking about finance, I guess. Magic finance, which is my favourite subject to cover. 
Cool. And Go I, th- for it. I think there are a lot of people that are trying to get into magic finance now. You know, after the whole reserveless thing and what's going on with crypto and all, everything just getting yeah. kind of wild. I think there are a lot of things that you can do to help yourself in in terms of in terms of magic finance that I, I just make it. I, I guess the point of magic finance for me, at least, because you know, I don't. I, I work in an LGS, but I don't, you know, own an LGS. I'm not. I'm not trying to personally make a lot of money off magic. Is is the way to make the game cheaper for yourself? Is is the main way that I treat magic finance? So when things are spiking and stuff, you buy the copies that you need. You don't buy fifty copies hoping to spend, sell into a spike because by the time you've heard about, unless you're like properly, you know, in the weeds checking MTG stocks every single day for every card, you're not really going to make a lot of money. But you can save yourself money. So when cards are going completely crazy, so you can see it with the the bands currently with them. Um, the price of Uroanoko specifically is that they hit their floor and they bottomed out and now they're starting to go back up again because basically what happened was people thought oh that's not play and that's not legal in that format anymore but I want it for X format mostly commander and I'm going to buy a copy when it's this is going to be the floor and so all those copies get bought out so the price goes up because the stock yeah. has been reduced because people are still scrambling to buy copies because these people who didn't want to buy a thirty-five pound euro can now buy a ten pound euro, right? Yeah. So they buy all the ten pound euros, and now euro is fifteen and twenty, and it, these these cards continue to go up. So it, it's it's knowing when to buy those cards, and unless you can get in on the ground floor immediately, as they it's, as all the copies are being offloaded by modern players, then you're you should wait. And I think that's one of the the, the best things that you can. <laughs> learn to do as a, as a magic player who wants to wear my cards is just wait yeah. and don't see things being hyped up and seeing the prices going berserk and feel like you're missing out because you're just paying far far too much for your cards and if you want to get all the value out of the cards you need to understand why cards cost them the amount they do and this is why I think I don't I don't have time to <laughs> talk about why cards cost what they do but it's not just buying things because they exist. It's like it's like the, the don't buy things on release or at pre-release because the prices are just up in the air and they're just sort of manufactured inflated prices based on nothing. They're mm. based on a, a few people may have written articles about it, about cards. There's been some discussion about it. So we think this card is going to be amazing and it's worth this much. We see it with all the standard sets where the Planeswalkers are worth, you know, they're pre-selling for like 12 to 20 pounds. And then six months after release, they're worth like three. <laughs> Especially recently, you, stuff like... Uh, Jace Mirror Mage, which was really hyped up at the time and is now worth like two pounds. Yeah, you can buy a copy for what one euro fifty on card market. Um, because we don't have all the information, and also there's been a huge influx of the ways that you can get those cards with the the different borders and foiling and all stuff like that. So prices are just lower than they've ever been for a lot of cards, just because the supply is so high. So if you really want some cards, just wait on them to see where the price goes. Buying them immediately yeah. is one of the worst things you can do unless you understand the risk going in right yeah yeah. like understand why you're placing value on that card are you placing value on it because you think it's an expensive card that's going to be powerful or are you going to play it for a long period of time or do you just want it because you think the price is going to go up and also know that you 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 don't know better than people who do it for a living (laughs) there are people who buy and sell magic cards for a living who do track this stuff because you know their livelihood literally depends on it and there are people that are trying to manipulate markets and yeah, you're going to get burned if you just try and play along with them. Yeah, I fully, fully agree. I think, like, like especially in current times, like, mm-hmm. there is no real reason to grab, like, any, like to buy any magic singles on pre-order, really, like at all. Like, you're not playing in paper events. The only paper events you're playing are like Webcam Commander, most likely. And like I've said it before, if that's the case, play with proxies. Play with proxies. If your friends don't allow it, to get new friends. Like <laughs> simple, simple as that. Yeah, if you're, me, if you're friends like, with people who won't let you use proxies on a webcam game of EDH, yeah, then yeah, you don't want to be friends with those people. <laughs> yeah, your friend won't allow you to proxy Quandrix Command for your <laughs> your Simic Commander deck. Then I guess your Quandrix Commander deck. Then yeah, that's nope. it's probably not the best play group. Um, yeah, yeah. Th- th- there's no reason. Like, just just wait, just wait. And if I mean, you know, if you are somebody who's playing Commander as your as your main format as well, then like 
give it time, and by the time this comes down, there's probably like, or even if it doesn't come down that much, probably a lot of the cards that you do have have, have or have gone up in value by then as well. You can sell those and pay the higher price for the the new one that you missed out on. But you know, I think you're very much right. Like just the sheer volume of product that gets opened between draft boosters, set boosters, and collector boosters means that just so many more copies of every single card, every single rare, is getting opened. And the prices of new sets are like the EV of new sets is ridiculous. It's it's I I can't remember ever seeing anything like it. Like Kaldheim especially. Like you'd be lucky to get fifty quid out of a Kaldheim box. It's bizarre, absolutely bizarre. Yeah, the value's not there, and I guess that that bleeds into never buy a sealed product unless you're understanding the risk you're taking because the, the whole thing's a risk, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I've never but never buy sealed product to to make value. crack to to make money or yeah, yeah make the value of the box in there. But yeah. if you want to make money. From if you want to make money from magic, then then yes, buy sealed product, and then just sit on it, and then sell it in ten years' time. Yeah, there are, there are very few quick ways to make money, and it, yeah, there are, there are, I've seen a lot of people posting about, oh, I owned X card when it was X amount of money, and now it's X times ten. Okay, but you, you sold it when it was X plus fifty percent. <laughs> like yeah, you sold your wheel of fortune when you paid fifty pounds for it, and it was going for seventy five, and you made twenty five pounds. And if you're trying to make money at Magic, that's the way you do it. Right? You you buy it at fifty, sell it at seventy five, use that seventy five to buy something else, and sell that when it goes up to more than seventy five, right? Yeah, These are the... buy it buy it twenty five years ago, sell it never. <clears throat> like... Yeah, if you if you're trying to make big money on things, it's it's just not going to happen. I've, I see it with the buyouts currently where I've sold. Um, I, I, you know, someone bought 50 copies of Suniman's Vision, Suniman something, a red white card from Visions that isn't good. Um, yep. Because the price is, our price was lower than the current market price, but you're not going to move those cards. You, like, it, it's it's much better to, to say buy loads of Shocklands at £5 each when a Ravnica set is currently in standard, yep. and then you're buying them at the cheapest. This, this is the thing, like, if you want to buy loads of them and then sit on them then sure but you're just putting your money somewhere where you can't use it and if you have a lot of cap- capital then you should probably be buying something more than shocklands but the aim isn't to make money off magic it's to buy at the right time and and sell at the right time and it gets a lot harder when you just you have a, an emotional attachment to your magic cards because there's a reason you bought them <laughs> like you know I, I bought a guy's cradle at a certain amount of money and, and now it's worth a lot more than that but I'm not going to sell it because the reason I, I paid that amount of money for a guy's cradle is because I want a guy's cradle yeah. So I, I could sell it and make money, but I, I don't want to do that. And you have to understand why you're buying magic cards. Like if you're buying them to play with, then it's it's why people are annoyed with like the fact that their um their standard cards lose value, right? And I know that's not yeah, yeah. particularly applicable now because we're gonna have, you know, certain standard sets rotate that have never been played in paper. Um but you've you've got to the amount of money that you use on that, you got to play with a game piece. You got to use that in tournaments. So if you paid, you know, thirty pounds for a, for a standard mythic, and then played it for eighteen months, and then sold it for five pounds, you got more than twenty five pounds worth of play on that card, probably. Yeah, it's it's understanding what magic cards that the the tools you use to play a game. My main point is don't try and make money at magic card at, at buying and selling magic cards because you won't, unless you have an absurd amount of capital. Yeah, <clears throat> and uh, are able to make those quick flips and and make you know. 10% on your cards because people always want to buy scolding tons when they're 20 pounds and sell them when they're 70 right yeah 100%, 100%. that doesn't happen if you wanted to get, if you wanted to move them you would have moved them when they were 30 and it, it, it's it's just understanding the, the 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 risk and the reward of magic cards and it's a lot easier just to not care <laughs> honestly yeah yeah 100% i think like that's it. i think you know when you when you're talking about Magic finance, and if you if you're somebody who genuinely wants to to look into making money from it, then it just it needs to be it needs to just be treated like a like a collectibles asset class, like investment really. And to to do that, to do it properly, you need a hell, a hell of a lot of money, and you can't just buy you can't just buy a box of new product and and try to flip that. You can't just Look at look at you can't look at any cards printed within the past, I don't know, like eighteen years really, and then be like, oh, I'm gonna buy <laughs> yep. loads of these. I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna spend a hundred pounds and buy loads of these, and then 
I'm going to make a thousand pounds off that because it's just it's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen. The way magic works nowadays is very very much a, a volume game as far as like new cards goes, and if you don't have the capital to open to open the sealed product to, and you don't have the, have the market as well. I think that that's that's the thing. I think a lot of people don't realize is that like you also need out like you, you can buy all of these cards but you need an out you need a way to sell these cards you need an audience you need a market to sell these cards to like i couldn't i couldn't just buy 500 copies of silver quill command at like let's say i buy 500 copies of silver quill command on pre-order because i think it's going to be very very good uh i managed to get them 500 copies at a pound each the set comes out and Silver Quill Command is actually as good as I thought, and the the market says they're worth two pounds each. I I'm not going to turn around to you and sell you my five hundred copies for two pounds each. Like, you you would never you would never buy them off me. I guess I spell I, I may have bought five hundred copies at a pound, but you're you're not going to buy five hundred copies off me then. And no, even you... as a store, you're not going to buy five hundred copies off me at like two pounds. No, I'm going to buy them off you at about 50p because I'm planning to sell them at £2 and want to make a profit. Yeah. And I'm. You're also selling them in batches of ones or fours. You're sending yeah. them to people who want one copy for an EDH deck or four copies for a, for a standard deck. And you're going to sell them in dribs and drabs. So you're not going to put you know £500 in and then immediately get a grand back. You're yeah. going to put £500 in, not have £500, and then over a period of a certain amount of time try and make £1,000. And that's what you can do as a store when, when you have that amount of capital. Yeah, and in the meantime, more sealed product is being opened, so the value of the cards goes down as you're holding them and trying to get rid of them. I think, yeah. I think that it's definitely something that I feel like is, is overlooked quite a lot when we're talking about magic finance. Is that like, unless you have unless you have like an actual guaranteed out, you've got a, a large enough audience, or you have you've got some really specific old cards that you know you can sell to somebody you're just you're just going to struggle to make any kind of profit really yeah the only time people make big gains on stuff is based on unpredictable things like things getting unbanned like the person who had the capital to just sit on 100 copies of Stoneforge Mystic yeah. when it got unbanned in modern made a load of money but that had to it's a fortuitous circumstance and also they had a lot of money they didn't care about just sitting in Stoneforge Mystics yeah and, and not caring about not having that money and you can do that as, as a store when you have a capital that you're investing in product and then you're, you're making sales but if you're just some person who has 500 pounds to put into cards don't try and make money on them <laughs> yes yeah, no the only time the the only time the average player makes money from magic cards is through luck like 100 percent through luck yeah and like i said like, you you can make things cheaper for yourself yeah but that's that's the only way that you can realistically engage with the market is you know, don't buy things when they're really good. By the time you've heard about it, it's it, it, it's it's changed a lot, a lot in the last few years. Where like commander cards, like um, Protein Hulk, got unbanned, and the price is about to rocket, and you could still buy cards on card market for a, a good few hours at like yeah. a euro each, and then you know the next day they were twelve, fifteen euros each. So you could do that, but you can't do that anymore because the market's just so. People are paying attention to it so much that prices stuff just gets bought out by people. Yeah, all the time. well, yeah. Now, like three days before the band announcement is announced, the the cards spike in the US because they all get bought out, and then the next day they all get bought out on card market as a reaction to that spike in the US. Yeah, and then the band announcement comes out, and then <laughs> the cards unbanned, and then everybody's clamoring to try to get a copy of them. That, that's what influences prices more than anything most of the time. Yeah, I mean, c- current situation with the with the reserve list and just all the cards in general aside is that oh. Uh, such and such card has been unbanned. I guess I get a better going by four copies, and you know a thousand people do that. <laughs> so yeah. four thousand copies have been taken off the market. It's not just some random person buying four thousand copies trying to shark you. Yeah, there'll be some people that are buying more copies than they need, but most people it's just people trying to buy a playset or a single copy of a commander because they want one. And and yeah, percent. That's just how prices fluctuate so much, and it, it's a bad. It's it's a. If you can get in on that on that point, sure, but don't buy the inflated prices. If you can yep. live without the card, or if you need the card, it's for a tournament, so you're probably willing to put some money into doing well in the tournament, right? Yeah, definitely. It's just that, that's just that I, Jesus. Yeah, that's it. Like when tournaments are on, like it, it's it's stuff I talked about before when like buying from like card market and stuff. It's like when tournaments are on, 
if if I've got a PPTQ, or I guess no, nobody does anymore, but if I had like a PPTQ style event for like the upcoming weekend and I needed a card or I guess a play set of cards for my deck for that weekend, I would be more than happy to pay above market price on Magic Card Market to get something shipped within the UK with like 24 hours delivery. Like if I know I'm going to need something for that weekend, whereas yeah. it might cost me considerably more than it would by would than ordering like a playset from Italy, but I know it's gonna. I know I'm gonna have it in time, and that's fine. I'm, I know I know the risk, and I'm prepared to pay the higher cost for that. But yeah, yeah like it's, it's based entirely on demand. Just, there's no reason. Yeah, you, you saw that there was uh, you know GPs when Hogak was legal in modern, and there were vendors selling Sato Wayfinders for two pounds each. Because yeah. if you really want to play the best deck in the format, you're willing to pay eight pounds for a playset of a common that's now worth five p. Yeah, it's about it's about demand and. Like, do you really need that card? Probably not. I mean, do we need any of these cards? No. <laughs> so if you were looking to buy a copy of Euro for your commander deck, now is not the time because it's, it, the price is still in fluctuation because all the copies have been bought up by people who want to play in commander. Yeah. There's a lot of things. This is the thing I, I, I don't have enough time to go into detail about, <laughs> about all these specific things, but stop trying to treat magic as a way to make money unless you literally have like £50,000 to just buy stock. And understand you're not going to get that fifty pounds, fifty thousand pounds back. Yeah, <clears throat> at least not instantly. No, uh, I guess um, sell into pre-release prices if you can. Like if you just want to open a box and you can sell your copy of Valky when it's forty pounds because it's been overhyped, then sure. Because if you wait a couple of weeks, then it'll be worth a lot less than that. Yeah. But uh, there's very there are very few ways for just the average person to make a lot of money on Magic. Yep. Just try just and make it lucky. Yeah. Pretty much. Cool. So I think that's all we have time for this week. How do you feel about Strixhaven, what you've seen so far? Uh, do you feel that the colleges are different from the Ravnica Guilds at all? Uh, how do you feel about Mystical Archive? Let us know. Come get us on social media. On Twitter, we are at hfdcast, facebook.com slash hfdcast. Or if you've really enjoyed anything you've liked in today's episode, you want to give us back in a monetary amount, you can hit us up on Patreon. We are patreon.com slash devastation. But tears start from as little as one dollar. That's roughly twenty-five cents per episode. Yeah, give us your money because you know everything's going to be back to normal soon. So you don't need to save your money or give it to more worthy causes. Yeah, four <laughs> months allegedly. <laughs> Jesus Christ! And you, you can find the podcast on Spotify and SoundCloud and iTunes and Stitcher. If you wanted to go to one of those platforms and give us a, a rating or a comment or a review, we'd really appreciate it because it helps us get the podcast out to more people. Yeah, if you want to find me on my own personal social media on Twitter, I'm at Peach Garden Oaf. Facebook, I'm Joe Loudon, you can find me in pretty much any of the magic groups. Then I also stream on Twitch every Friday night, we do something magic related, that's Friday Night Magic and then every Saturday, Sunday sort of alternate, we do a whole host of different sort of casual games party games, do Among Us we do Fall Guys, we do we do lots of fun things, come check me out, it's twitch.tv slash peachgardenoaf If you consider your Friday stream just being you making completely absurd speculations on magic card prices uh, no, but that could be fun. I'd be open for that. <laughs> Just based on absolutely nothing. It's like, yeah. I think this card's going to be worth £50. Why? I don't know. Uh, you're going to... speed, speed run buying reserve list cards, yeah. <laughs> Do you have that kind of money? <laughs> I mean, hey, Bitcoin all-time highs, right? Uh, sure. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at snail69. Nice. Uh, just angry all the time. <laughs> Yeah. That's just it. I'm just about understandable. Understandable. Cool. So that's all we have time for this week. Once again, we're approaching the second hour. The God Pharaoh has returned. So we'll see you again next week on Hour of Devastation.